Hey, everybody. Welcome. Uh, and we are also live on Clubhouse. We're going to be taking calls. Uh, ask me anything there. To be a part of the stream here, you just raise your hand and I will call you up to the podium. Our laws as it pertains to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. You have trouble, you can't stop and you want help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Now, Susan, yeah, earlier today you were sending me something from Dr. Peter McCullough. I wasn't quite sure what that was all about. Oh, know. he was a great guest. Yes, he had yesterday, if yes. anybody missed it, he, um, he he has my cell phone number and he texted me this morning. He said that it's very risky for you to have a vaccine after you've had COVID-19 and uh, you should look out for psychiatric issues and take a baby aspirin every day. Well, and then he, I want you to talk to him though, because that's good that's and bad a advice. Personal thing for you. Yeah, that's good and bad advice. So, so the baby aspirin today, I I actively avoided. If you remember, Dr. Monica Gandhi said, "Whatever you do, don't take your aspirin because of the consumptive coagulopathy," which I stopped the aspirin for a while and I restarted again. So that's mm -hmm. already in place. And the psychiatric stuff, um, yeah, I, I told you I've been having some of those. Yeah. So he he said that he sees a lot of patients who have sort of a weird long hauler syndrome type thing or psychiatric problems or anyways, I told him to talk to you because okay. it just scares the shit out of me. and I really don't want to know. I, I don't <laughs> think I worry too much about it. No, but I honestly think that he is a good resource because he's on the front lines, you know? Yes. And he's a, he's a well-qualified academic. He's been uh, in the field for a long time. The fact that people like him are being silenced is, is, really what outrages me i mean you can disagree with him all you want and you can fight you know he's willing to engage no problem but the fact that we have these highly highly trained with decades of clinical experience clinicians who are being um not just ignored but actively uh, it censorship is not a strong enough word uh and they're actively trying to destroy these guys that are just trying to render Give an opinion. good medical advice he no, also told to me to tell jordan not to get the vaccine because he had COVID, and i said well when how you know, what about after he goes, he should never need. That's probably true. That's not necessarily true. It's probably true. And I wouldn't, I, and again, uh, there's a lot of panic porn. Once again, the press cannot, they're, they're, it's like it's addicted to trying to panic the American population. I, I mean, to be fair, I'm not panicked. I just, I don't think he needs one either. He had COVID. He okay, has you, this, Hang on, you're not listening to me. I don't want him you're to get You're not listening to me. Vaccine. You're not listening to me. To be fair, we were just in Western Europe where the panic porn is not quite as bad, but they're at least the governments are engaged in the government in the panic porn as much as the press is here. But here the press seems absolutely addicted to the panic porn. And wherever you turn right now, all you hear are stories about the Delta virus. In fact, I was watching the BBC two days ago and some alleged infectious disease doctor got up and just rang the panic alarm about the Delta virus, yeah, which a little doesn't much. look bad yeah. I, I maybe i'm wrong but it looks as though it is certainly more contagious and there you know the way coronaviruses typically evolve in the face of uh evolutionary stressors like vaccines is they become more contagious and less virulent so it's easier to get them but they cause less serious illness and that's certainly what we're seeing here uh let's see uh, I don't think it's a one size fits all. I think that everybody needs to go to your doctor and ask if you're a candidate, if you're too young, if you're, you know, you have too many pre-existing conditions and if the vaccine is good for you. So it's not like a one size fits all, you know? Yeah. And that I, and he's worried about you because of, you know, you really probably shouldn't have had it. You did have a reaction to it. Thank God yeah. it was not fatal or hopefully it didn't do anything else to your brain, but you know, I I can't tell you. You seem fine to me. I yeah, I, I think whatever I have is from COVID, not from the vaccine. But you and, learned uh, you learned Greek. I I mean, you were speaking the Greek language for two weeks at, very well. Yeah, so it's weird. not like your brain. Your no, brain no, no, no. Cognitively, I'm I'm fine. But I've been a little irritable. I'd say, but that's all right. Um, did well, somebody? That's did just somebody cause you live with me. Commandeer Casey Gates's uh, Twitch account. There's something very strange going on there. So, Tom <laughs> Cigar, maybe you can take a look at that and see what's going on there. 
Um, and let's see. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the restream before we go out to the clubhouse folks. In any event, uh, Andrash Kazvili is saying that uh, the Delta is already gone, that they're worried now about the Lambda. But I got to tell you, I'm a little worried about Lambda. I'm not worried about Delta. I'm a wor worried about Lambda if the Peruvian data proves to be correct. We're seeing more contagiousness than Delta, meaning it will kind of move in here for sure. Oh, Drew, you're in private on Clubhouse. What does that mean? That's what Joe said. You're on private. You need to unprivate yourself. How, do you How many do people that? are on there? Um, 50 or so, something like that. Oh, how, how let me do ask. We... Let me see. Our, our producer, Joe Giannotti, no one can enter because he's in private. There's all kinds of people in here. Okay. And Joe, hands are up and everything. Joe's had a rough day. He, Joe's having some trouble. <laughs> let me uh, get well, some. did you? I think it's working. I see people in there. Yeah, okay. there are plenty of people in there right now. Oh, thanks, Caleb. Um, so anyway, to Lambda, in the, if the Peruvian data proved to be even reflective of reality, has a 10% mortality rate overall and a higher infectivity, that's that's concerning. Now, we don't know, A, if that data is accurate, and B, is it only old people in that 10% you know, sort of profile? We, we don't know. Uh, but it's something to keep an eye on. That's all I'm saying. All right, let me uh, bring up some folks from the clubhouse, see what their questions might be, and we'll just kind of go from there. Eve, go ahead. Hey, Dr. Drew. Hey there. Um, happy to see you here. We had a run-in many, many years ago. Uh, I had a studio downtown on 7th and Santa Fe. Uh, the mom was from La Poubelle. She's owned La Poubelle's on Franklin. Oh, yeah, I remember it and, well. And her, <clears throat> her son, Gerald, yep. was a drug addict. And yep. I threw something for him at my studio. I, I remember that vividly. Yes. I remember it vividly. There was a, it, it, first, well, Gerald really struggled. Uh, a B yeah. that was a great event back when the sort of arts district in Los Angeles was just getting going. It was just getting going. Yeah. I was down there in the beginning yeah. trying to help all that happen. And you came down and lend a hand yeah. with Gerald, which I really wanted to thank you for, for oh, even sure. attempting to do such a thing. You know, I took some extremes, uh, and how I did things. And I was just hoping to be a part of this in any way. Once I really know, what you're on about. I just wanted to show up. Great. And, well, I appreciate uh, it. We're just, we're just sort of chatting. Anything, any questions people have, it's just a chance to kind of chat it up. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. I want to ask us uh, first, a little question that might be strange, uh, but because it's pertaining to drugs okay. and native Americans, okay. things like ayahuasca, uh. things like peyote, uh, things that people are kind of taking now, saying they're having, you know, the nice cosmic trip, yeah. which we did all this stuff a long time ago. <laughs> That's why I was doing this with Jero. I can't even remember the year. It was such mm, a, a Yeah, it was a while like 20 ago. years ago almost. Yeah, my daughter was four. She's 20 now. So 16 uh, years ago. Paloma. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was a long time. So I've been experiencing, you know, the new, the young, the what's happening, uh, because I tend to be in that world, you know, because I'm a painter and I always have a studio. Uh, which I'm searching for right now, making it through the pandemic. But I was curious about what advice might be given to them from a sort of medicine point of view. The Native Americans had a point. I'm wondering how it looks for everyday people today. I, I'm not sure I what get, they put, put did that in the form of a question. I'll make sure I, I really understand your question. Can it? Uh, here's a question. Yeah. Can it be looked at as a medicine? Yeah. Uh, hallucinogenics you, you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The, so the, the, those particular type, for instance. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of become popular now. Yeah. Okay. Ayahuasca is popular now. People yes. think, you know, things right. like that. Anthony, I'm going to put you back in the audience and sort of talk about this for a minute. So in broad strokes, we're talking about hallucinogenics and their therapeutic properties. Uh, of course, I think most people are aware that the multidisciplinary society for uh, the advancement of psychedelic studies maps, I think there's their acronym M-A-P-S. Uh, I've interviewed their founder. Uh, he just published some data on the use of MDMA in PTSD setting for trauma therapy. But I, I interviewed him at length, and he's very clear that these are therapeutic medications but have lots of potential risks associated with them and should only be used from his perspective in the context of a therapeutic setting where people really know how to use these things and people who have failed other interventions that are less risky, so-called. Now, 
The hallucinogenics are in multiple different categories, right? You're talking about the ayahuasca and ibogaine, which has been around for a long time. People have been using it for a long time for the treatment of addiction. Again, treatment of addiction. And uh, when people go down to uh, other countries, and, and again, what they're calling ibogaine and ayahuasca, it's different things. That, you know, it's hard to, to uh, sort of um, standardize what it is people are getting exposed to. But I generally see people have three different experiences and about into 30%, 30%, 30% categories. 30% saying it's the worst experience they ever had. 30% saying it was a nothing. And 30% saying it was profound. <laughs> So 60% of people have a bad or neutral experience, and that's a pretty bad track record for uh, a so-called therapeutic medication, particularly when it comes to psychotropic medicines. Generally, when, when people, I've been very, very concerned about hallucinogenics because I've seen brain damage from them, primarily the psychedelics like, like LSD. I've never seen brain damage from mushrooms, so mushrooms are a hot area of research right now. I do believe they will have therapeutic value. They clearly have therapeutic value in end-of-life, for end-of-life anxiety, end-of-life dread. So when people have a terminal prognosis and they're approaching death and they're overwhelmed by anxiety or dread, the hallucinogens, both the LSD and the mushrooms, have been shown to be very beneficial in reducing that dread. May also cause brain damage, but there's no concern about that because that person's going to die in a very short order. So the brain damage is not a concern. For somebody who has a long life ahead of them, it's a very serious concern. I've seen mood disturbances, memory problems, learning problems, personality changes, and some of them have been permanent. So that's been concerning to me. In terms of using Ibogaine or, or um, oh shoot, I dropped the name of the other one. Um, this is since COVID, I have a little bit of word, more word finding problem than usual. Um, help me, Susan. What were we just talking about? Anyway. I wasn't listening. Uh, thank you. Uh, in any event, uh, the, these uh, plant-based hallucinogenics um, uh, they have been used. People swear that they're effective. In my experience, I've seen lots of people go use these, particularly if you're opiate addiction. Now, again, opiate addiction is a life-threatening, dangerous problem. I think people finally understand that now. And I've seen typically people stop using the opiates for about six months, typically, and then go back. I've only seen one, maybe two, for sure one case where that didn't happen. Mind you, that's out of hundreds. So I'm not thoroughly sold on this. Now, that one case, by the way, I don't think was an addict per se. I interviewed him a little bit, and he seemed to have been more of a drug-dependent, non-addicted, that's sort of a separate category of opiate use that we never used to see, that we now see lots of, because, I mean, Gerald, the guy you'd mentioned from La Poubelle, that guy was a full, classic, full-on drug opiate addict. But because of the overprescribing of opiates by physicians, we now have people that look like opiate addicts that really are just strung out on them and will stop using them when we get them off. So it's a really kind of an interesting thing. So bottom line is much more research is needed. And um, I'm super clear that when it comes to addiction, None of the effects are due to some magical insight. All of it is due to altering brain function. So it's not as though that some cool insight is uh, is at hand. Uh, George Clark, I wonder if you agree with me on this or if you've seen something different. Let's get George up here. George, George, George. Oh, I got to try it again. Hold on. I'm getting weird glitches in Clubhouse these days. George, you see stuff like that? Uh, opioid. Uh, uh oh, your connection is really bad. Sorry, I'm on a bus. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you bad. So, um, give me a. I'm sorry, a summary of uh, what am I seeing, like on the streets of New York, stuff like that? No, no. Have you seen people use hallucinogenic therapies for addiction to any benefit? I was saying it's. I rarely see it have a sustained effect? Um, I've never seen it. And well, I can say I've never seen it, but even if I did, I would, would, I'm not in a position to really know um, or understand the science behind it. Okay. But what, what I have seen, um, the opioid problem in New York City is, you know, it, it's been worse over the pandemic for sure. There was a tent city outside my house yeah. up until a few weeks ago. But, um, Someone I work with in my job was 
Uh, classic, hurt his back in the 90s, went in, got opioids, got yep. strung out on them, yep. kicked them, then switched to alcohol, and then eventually kicked that. Yeah. So that I've seen. That's a very common thing. Well, not yeah. very common. It's a typical thing. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, people people think if they stop the drug that they have as their problem, they're magically going to be okay. But inevitably, something else will pick up. Because it, it's a you know it's a biological disorder of, a, of the sort of what I call the do-it-again part of the brain. And it's a resetting of what that part of the brain needs you to do in order to be consistent with survival, even though that part of the brain doesn't really think. It's a part of the brain that will fight as though it were a life-threatening importance to get you to do this behavior again that activates the biology of the shell of the nucleus accumbens, essentially. How are you? Doing okay otherwise? Yeah, it's uh, disgustingly hot up here. In New York yeah. City? Yeah, it's 91 with feels like 100% humidity. So it's Great. Cool. Well, the city's uh, coming back to life, isn't it? It is, but... The crime is still an issue. All right. I'm, you know, I know. I moved you to the audience because uh, my producer is telling me the sound is not not worthy. So I apologize for that. Let me. Um, we love you, George. Yeah, George, thank you. I'm going back up to uh, Aisa, I think is what I'm. Aisa, is that, am I getting that name right? Aisa, did I get that correct? Yeah. Hey there. It is correct. How are you? How are you? Good. Questions? So yeah, yeah. I have to actually two questions. One is pertaining to me personally, and the other one is very general. Mm. Uh, the first one that is pertaining to me is that uh, I think there are two kinds of people who have schizophrenia. The mm -hmm. ones who have schizophrenia that they don't know themselves that they are having schizophrenia, mm -hmm. but it's noticed by others. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there is another like phenomenon of having schizophrenia that's the one who is having this kind of phenomenon. Uh, like knows that he is having it, but others cannot notice it. I call this one is the schizophrenic self. is a kind of having two identities or two minds within the same body. Uh, I want just to know if it is scientifically proven that schizophrenia is of two distinct like phenomena, the one that can be uh, known and seen by others and not no, known for there are, the person. There, I, I, I've never seen anybody break it down that way. Most people with serious mental illness of all types, including schizophrenia, have a form frost of something called anisognosia, which is a block in the ability to have insight into both the symptomatologies and the impact the symptomatologies are having on your life. If you have a delusion, you simply think those delusions are true. You don't think, hey, I'm having a delusion. Isn't that bizarre? Now, people with certain kinds of schizophrenia, again, there's many different sub many different subtypes of schizophrenia, some more mild, some more severe, but many of different subtypes can be treated with cognitive behavioral therapies where they can learn to identify their delusions. So even though they believe them to be true, somebody can teach them when those thoughts come up. Remember, schizophrenia is a thought disorder. It's a disorder of thinking. And as such, when you have a disordered thinking, you can't think your way into inside. You can't think your way out of it. It's a biological event that you were just in. And so the anisognosia. Now, in terms of you know being of two minds and all this stuff, I, I don't know quite what you're talking about. That's more dissociative disorders, You know, people that dissociate and have certain personality styles or certain um, ways of relating in certain environments uh, and have certain experiences. Again, usually around the, the phenomenon of dissociation, that's where you typically see those things that I think you're talking about. I want just to give you experience that I like uh, I've been under, and you can diagnose okay. my. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. We can we can we can talk uh, about cases like you. We can't like diagnose. Yeah. So we can talk about cases like you. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I'm extremely sociable, mm -hmm. socializing with others with no problem, mm -hmm. and other times I am extremely introverted. Mm -hmm having myself into my own bevel, my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Me too. That's, um, that's your personality functioning. I'm, I don't know if you have, maybe you have a social anxiety disorder overlying it or something that motivates you to stay isolated, but none of that sounds unusual. Yeah. Uh, is it like, uh, like, is it like a, 
prior symptoms to something pertaining to psychopathic or sociopathic uh, personalities? No, or is no, it no, no, no. The, the fact no. that you're a, the, the, like we always say, people that are have serious mental illness don't think they have serious mental illness. They don't worry about themselves and don't uh, sit there anxiously d diagnosing themselves. Those are not. Those are people with personality issues, mood disturbances, anxiety disorders, but not people with with uh, serious mental illness. And in terms of psychopathy and sociopathy, you know, the telltale time for psychopathy is you you are gratified by torturing animals in childhood, gratified by taking advantage of other people, not having any understanding of emotions at all, but sort of learning how to adapt and behave as though you had emotions, like learning what emotions are from other people, but not really having them yourself. Sociopaths, and again, this is my way of ca categorizing these. There's some debate about how to do so. Sociopaths are people that take advantage of other people. They know well what emotions are, but they take advantage of other people and will exploit and use them without caring about them to get their own needs met. It's like a severe narcissism. And these are, you know, the, and it's the thinking is that uh, psychopathy is a biological disorder. I refer you to Dr. James Fallon, F-A-L-L-O-N. We did an interview with him here, didn't we, Susan? Dr. Fallon? Weekly Infusion. Oh, is that Weekly Infusion? So I think we, a, maybe we had him on Ask, too. We should a, get him he's back. He's a, a psychologist who was studying psychopathy and discovered, lo and behold, he was a psychopath. Mm -hmm. And he has a very, he has a, a TED Talk series out there and a bunch of YouTubes and things, so you can learn more about psychopathy from him. But uh, it sounds like more than anything, you have an anxiety disorder, uh, for sure. Uh, and I don't know that you do, but it sounds like you might be someone with an anxiety disorder and difficulty finding your way. You know, people have to form a cohesive identity before they uh, stop thinking this way, you know, worrying about, you know, what's wrong with them. Okay, Tom Cigar, that's rage, huh? Okay, let me get um, another call up here. Um Tom Cigar. What is Tom doing? He's how uh, was the storm? Oh yeah. Uh Tom's how's how was the storm out there? How was the has it hit yet even? Did it even go through Florida? I mean they were I don't think it was a big one. I mean, all you could hear is it's now a hurricane, and then all of a sudden it's like, yep, nothing. So I again the press is disgusting. I don't know if anybody else is as disgusted as with them as I am. If you are in the uh audience, you can just raise your hand and I'll bring you up to the podium. Um and uh, again, you'll be streaming on YouTube, Twitch. Twitter and Facebook. And this is uh, Charles. What's going on, Charles? Mm -mm. Things seem to have frozen a little bit. There's always a little lag before they get on. Charles, your mic is muted. There you are. What's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was in the storm. How was um, it? it? Well, it basically sideswiped most of Florida. Mm. So it was just a storm. It was not a hurricane here. It was uh, a lot of thunder, lightning, rain. Cool. It was not too bad. Is uh, psilocybin the other medicine that you were thinking of? No, uh, it was ibogaine and ayahuasca. It was ayahuasca was the other one I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I just wanted to mention, I was watching uh, uh, Steve Kirsch the other day talk to Dr. Bean, and mm. you were mentioning, you know, what happened to our profession and Steve mentioned the word um, regulatory capture. Mm -hmm. And I think when they look back on this, they'll, that's going to be a, a big part, the basis of this whole problem. And, and what did he, what was you referring to? What does that mean? Regulatory capture? Well, the pharmaceutical companies basically bought and sold uh, Tedros, uh, the people at the CDC, Chris Witte, and these others. And but, but uh, my, Charles, the media my thing is, how did those people get to be to take away the volitional uh, and sacred uh, obligation of every physician in this country to make decisions on behalf of each individual patient they're caring for? We relinquished all they of that to the bureaucrats. We just relinquished they, it. Well, not not the renegades. Uh, a, a, few not, a few did not. A few did not. They didn't capture Didier Raoul. They didn't capture. Um, uh, these these doctors in Broward County and, and various others, but the vast majority of people, uh, you know, at the Mayo Clinic, at Mass General, that you would expect to have come up with some protocol, mm -hmm. uh, basically were bought and sold. I, I, again, uh, I, I think here, I think it's you're you're thinking about it a little bit different. I don't disagree with your basic uh, sort of conclusion. But I think it's a little subtler than that because how, how did a pharmaceutical 
company have anything to do with everybody practicing medicine here in Pasadena? Nothing. Zero. Nothing. Nowhere. Okay. However, well, it became it became communized. Right, because everybody words, because became, everybody immediately froze in place and looked to the bureaucrats, which is nothing we've which ever they, done before. They never, they never, they don't do that with urinary tract infections. Right, they we've never do done it with anything. With we've never done it. Period. We didn't do it with H1N1. We didn't do it with mirrors. We didn't with SARS. We looked to them for a little background guidance as we worked our way through treating patients with these pandemic illnesses. You know, when I had H1N1, it wasn't like the infectious disease doctor I was working with was guided by the policies of Anthony Fauci or the, the, the U.S. government. They had nothing well, to do with my treatment for the pandemic at the time. All well, of a sudden, Steve, we just let go of well, everything Steve we do. Regulatory capture. Well, then, would, they, then it was primed I would, for I that. would say it was even larger than just regulatory capture. It was also media capture. Oh, my God, yes. Well, I... And uh, look, so the, 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 these a group of pharmaceutical companies basically somehow took over uh, the regulatory groups, which is fairly easy to understand. But then they went one step even further and they took over, uh, somehow took over the media. Yeah. Uh, well, here's, here's how my perspective, because do you think that until this pandemic, the FDA, the NIH, the CDC ever had anything to do with my practice of medicine or anyone in my community's practice of medicine? Nothing. Nothing. No, but the media, but the media made people think that they do. Correct. And the they, FDA, the FDA would give guidelines to the drug companies in terms of what they could give me access to, but I could do whatever I wanted with those drugs. Right. They the didn't FDA extend this into how often you should get a mammogram. I, I, I even, into, I even talk, saw people talking about the. Dentist, I even saw like people that. talking about the AMA, which has nothing to do with anybody's practice. Nothing. So, so these organizations have nothing to do with the practice of medicine ordinarily. And when they are functioning, I'm not surprised, I would be surprised to see that they have some inf are influenced by their, their financial resources and where they get their uh, sort of funding for things. That makes sense to me. But we have no, we had no business ceding our responsibility to these people. We've never done it in the history of medicine. And then these, these state and local healthcare officials took controls, many of them not even doctors. And here in L.A. County, we had a sociologist. I mean, this was breathtakingly uh, irresponsible, and, and the level of but incompetence they, that was on display was this, phenomenal. They did this only in the background of the support of the regulators. Yeah, and, and, and support, think about it this way. And the support I, of the media. I, oh, yes. They, they, and think they, about what, they, and if you go have, back, look at what the media did. Media grabbed onto what the Chinese Communist Party did in China, in Wuhan, and said, we must do that. And that was not a medical intervention. That was some sort of political intervention to save face. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was rehearsed. I don't know if they had that ready at hand mm -hmm. to do those sorts of things because they had a dangerous laboratory there. I don't know. But that was not a medical, medically directed intervention. That was a political maneuver. Mm -hmm. And we had the press in this country from day one demanding that we do the same thing that the CCP did. Go back and look at it. You'll see. I had to, I no. lived through it in a vivid You've way. You've done a good job. You've so done it was, a good job. It was tough. I, and and no, I was wrong about a lot of stuff, this. too. Listen, I was wrong about a lot of stuff as well. No, I, yeah. no. You know, you... You, when they look back on this, you and Dr. Bean and a few others are going to come out looking really, really good. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, that's not my goal. My goal is for us all to get through this and get back to our lives. That's, that's why That's why you're going to come so, out looking good. All right, my friend. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate Take care, it. Bye. Okay, man. Um, I am being... Uh, that was nice. It was very nice. I'm being prompted to mention that... And Caleb, you're going to have to jump in here. We have a new channel on Rumble, rumble.com slash Dr. Drew. Is that is Rumble available right now to our streamers? Is that the deal? Caleb, are you there? Uh, yes, actually. How do they it's find it right now? Just go to rumble.com slash Dr. Drew and boom. Rumble.com. And will that show up? Is there a That's chat right. that will show up? Slash Dr. Drew. And is there a chat that will show up on my stream here? Yep. It'll pop up. It, uh, it won't pop up in the restream chat that's over on the side of the channel, but it's a uh, it's another channel that people can watch us on. So I won't see any chat come out of there on my restream. Accurate? Not yet. They don't okay. have it built in yet. All right, good. All right, so rumble.com slash Dr. Drew, and give us two seconds on what Rumble is. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that platform. 
Rumble is kind of a new, a newer platform that stands for uh, anti-censorship stuff. We started there specifically because of the YouTube strikes that they kept throwing around. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, you've always wanted to be on all platforms at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm right. I'm, I would feel like we got to just push it out wherever we can. And that's the way to do things. So, Caleb, send me the login so I can look at it. Excellent. Excellent. So I can download Excellent. it and see what's going on. Why, why don't we go ahead and take a little break, uh, Caleb? We'll take a little break here. We are, just a reminder, we are uh, on Clubhouse. We are taking your questions there. You can uh, raise your hand. I will. I see several of you there. You're going to have to listen to our ads today, too. Yeah, with our hands up, they're gonna, Caleb has to play some ads here for this uh, for the restream. Pay the bills. Uh, and Kristen Sherwin, Liam, I see you guys there with your hands up. I, I will be with you uh, just after we take this brief, brief pause. I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Blue Mics. If you've heard my voice on this show anytime over the past year, including right now, you've been listening to Blue Microphones. And let me tell you, after more than 30 years in broadcasting, I don't think I have ever sounded better. But you don't need to be a pro or have a fancy studio to benefit from a quality mic. You may not realize it, but if you've been working from home or using Zoom to chat with friends, you probably spend a lot of time in front of a microphone. So why not sound your best? Whether you're doing video conferencing, podcasting, recording music, or hosting a talk show, Blue has you covered. From the USB series that plugs right into your computer to XLR professional mics like the mouse or the Blueberry we use in the studio right now. Bottom line, there's a Blue microphone to fit your budget and need. I can't say enough about Blue mics. And once you try one, you will never go back. Trust me. To take your audio to the next level, go to drdrew.com blue. That is drdrew.com B-L-U-E. Anyone who's watched me over the years knows that I'm obsessed with Hydrolyte. In my opinion, the best oral rehydration product on the market. I literally use it every day. My family uses it. When I had COVID, I'm telling you, Hydrolyte contributed to my recovery, kept me hydrated. Now, with things finally reopening back around the country, the potential exposure to the common cold is always around. And like always, Hydrolyte has got your back. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity, my new favorite, starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients Plus, each single-serving easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-to-pour sticks that rapidly dissolve in water, make a great-tasting drink, has 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink, uses all-natural flavors, gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash drdrew. Again, that is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. Be sure to use the code drdrew25 for a special discount. Uh, Kristen, what's going on? Hi, Dr. Drew. Hi, Kristen. Um, I am calling. I'm a nurse in Southern California, specifically your community, San Gabriel Valley. Right. So I was vaccinated back in December, December 24th specifically. Mm-hmm. And I have been suffering for six months mm-hmm. with a laundry list of neuro and vascular side effects mm-hmm. from that vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say about January, February, I started, I was following your COVID journey and I hooked up with the Incel DX team. Good. Which is uh, Dr. Yo and Dr. Patterson. Yes. Excellent. Yes. So after a while, they they um, they were open to you know they've started looking at more of the vaccine related injuries in addition to the COVID long haulers. Correct. And I had my blood work done with them, the cytokine panel. Right. And yes, indeed, I had a long haulers index. However, tested negative multiple times for COVID. Okay, got it. So it's it's vaccine related. Yes. It was vaccine related. Yeah. I know in my heart of hearts. I no, no, there issues. you're he has a whole cohort now of people like you. This oh, is not yeah. yeah, this is a thing. Yeah, yeah, but the minute I got the vaccine, I had like a flesh tingling sensation through my body. It's, it's funny, just, I did too. What which vaccine did you have? Pfizer. I see I had Johnson and Johnson. I immediately had a a body wide um chill. It was very strange. Yes, very yes. Yeah. And then it's like everything just slowly started adding on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I'm so grateful to you because I found this team of wonderful, supportive doctors. And right. my internist has been extremely supportive. Good. Um, but my question to you is, in, and I know like just in our community, you have a lot of respect, a lot of credibility. 
how do we, because I'm not the only one. And mm-hmm. I know people, you know, just among my friend group who've had reactions, mm-hmm. they're going to the hospitals, they're getting turned away with anxiety diagnosis. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, I had, I had horrible POTS like <sighs> symptoms, high mm-hmm. tachycardia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what everyone says is, well, it's probably just stress. It's anxiety. No, no, but no. It was, it's clearly yeah. not. Listen, plus you have an objective, you know, <laughs> a, a objective evidence of active inflammatory disease. So, so let's not, let's not, let, let's not waste time talking about anxiety. Exactly. <laughs> How do we raise awareness with the healthcare community? Because it is like, there are some wonderful doctors in our yeah. backyard yeah. who I have lost so much respect oh, for I'm because they, they just won't connect the vaccine with these reactions. Well, let's let's first just think about you being vaccinated. I, I'm. You're, what kind of nursing do you do? Um. Well, now I'm not at the bedside. I work in nursing education. But okay. I'm in the hospital. And historically, was there a particular field of nursing? Med surge. Med surge. Care. Okay. Yeah. And and you know we do bad shit to people to prevent bad shit, right? Yeah. That's sort of what we do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we do bad things in hopes of producing, heading off worse things, and so. I don't see how you could have avoided being vaccinated. So it wasn't wrong to be vaccinated, right? You, right. you work in the medical field. The risk-reward, even, even in retrospect, was, was worth it. The problem now is, okay, you've had an injury from this vaccine. It happens. We should be able to take care of that. And we should be proactively anticipating these sorts of reactions because they're not terribly uncommon. And in a weird way... The way I sort of loosely think about vaccine reactions, it's sort of mini COVID, right? Yes. Uh, and the inflammatory profile sort of bear that out. Now, there's there's other things going on with the vaccines that people like Steve Kirsch and you know Dr. McCullough are worrying about. They're worrying about organ and organ specific parenchymal damage that may or may not be caused by spike proteins or you know the the protein, the envelope that the, the protein is being sent in with somehow having some strange reaction in tissues where they shouldn't have those things. And that makes sense to me, but those are pretty rare reactions. I, those are not the kind of things that are, that are typical. What I have typically seen is consumptive coagulopathy. So something's happening to our platelets, and we now know that that something is very similar to heparin-induced thrombocytopenia, right? It's a PD, I think they call it PD4 uh, receptor problem. And we, we now know where it is. We know what it is. So that is happening, right? And be, there we go. My image is back. And because that is happening, uh, now we have to be on the lookout for, well, could we be seeing vascular, vasculopathies or organ damage from the vasculopathy? Probably, right? Probably that's a big part of this. Plus, there are other cytokine-induced, monocyte-induced sorts of inflammatory processes that we don't fully understand yet but that are also part of why our brains aren't happy, right? So there's at least, you know, three or four things that could be going on to make us feel bad and to give us organ issues, organ performance issues, and also brain-related symptomatology. Now, what have you been treated with? Um, I am going on six weeks of ivermectin Mm -hmm. and uh, low-dose steroid. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start um, a statin. And, and it's funny that the statins are, I, that, I just learned that the statins are showing some good good effect. That was mind-blowing to me. Um, and have you had anything else before this? Uh, health-wise? No, no. Have you been treated with anything else prior to this? N- no. Okay. No. And uh, do you know, did you have any abnormalities in the VEGF? factor the veg yes f. my, my veg f was yeah. was elevated so was my rants yeah um, they told me i had a long hauler index yeah. i was on that definitely and i i is there a reason they didn't use fluvoxamine for you i did that for 15 days ah, okay um didn't I, work it, i didn't notice any changes with okay it. okay because that seems like where they probably would have started did you do that on your own or did these guys recommend that no too? oh no 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 they yeah. have they they collaborate you know my doctor got on board with us yeah. and so I did the 15 day. Uh-oh. I lost Kristen. <laughs> you know, the, the ivermectin and the yeah. photosteroids. Okay. So, uh, I, and is Dr. Yo working with you personally or some other doctor? 
Yes, Dr. Yon Patterson. Okay. Hey, Dr. Yo is pretty optimistic about this particular protocol he's using. Last time I talked to him, he was very excited about it. So he, he would expect you to have some improvement. Have uh, Has Moravarin? Oh, I have. Okay, good. You're on it now. I've, I've had significant improvement. Oh, I good. had numbness and tingling. I've okay. had my hot symptoms have decreased. Okay, my great. My fatigue has improved. I do relapse at the, I have a half a glass of wine and it sets me back to to January. Gosh, I had a you weird know. thing when Jude I had- gets ringing in his ears when he drinks. Yeah, I still have that. But but I had a very weird thing, which a, a glass of wine, when I, when I was with the long hauler fatigue, a glass of wine would relieve the fatigue. Two glasses of wine would destroy me. <laughs> it was yes. very weird. It was very weird. Uh, I've had many, many weird and uncanny symptomatologies with this thing. It's been very strange. Yes. Yes. Um, but exercise fluvoxamine, too. I, ca I cannot exercise. No, there's no way I could have. But, but fluvoxamine pulled me out of that. How part. many weeks ago were you, did she have it COVID? She had the vaccine in December. Oh, it's from the vaccine? Yeah, it's from the vaccine. Yeah. Which yeah, is, I kind of just stuck it out and waited to get my blood work done back in March. And then we finally got the treatment going. So, so here I am. Probably in total, if we count the fluvoxamine, eight weeks. Can you write a little article for like a nursing journal or something, a little editorial or, you know, a sort of personal story? So you know, the, there's always, journals do accept those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Because we, we yeah, got it. it. It just seems like a lot of doors close when you bring up the vaccine. Well, um, I suppose you're right. I, I mean, because there's this <laughs> huge fear that we're going to somehow increase vaccine hesitancy. Exactly. And, and I don't think now, maybe I don't want to speak on your behalf. You go on but, Rumble. But, <laughs> well, she just came think, on your show, Drew. But I don't so think either of us would want to increase vaccine hesitancy. Is that accurate? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely um, pro-vaccine. Yeah. I've got three kids. They've all been vaccinated their entire lives. I right. mean, this isn't an anti-vax issue for me. But for me, it's more about educating our healthcare, you know, our, our ERs, right. our urgent cares. Right. So um, it, it should be. It's This is about preparing the medical system to help people that have a adverse reaction to the vaccine. That's all. Yes. It's not about not taking the vaccine. I, I mean, if yes. anything, that should, if anything, that should reduce hesitancy because we could say, Hey, if you have a reaction, you've heard about some long hauler stuff in the press or whatever, or you heard it on, on, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of scuttlebutt online. We have treatments for that. We can make you better. So relax, take the vaccine. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. That, yes. That's how we should be approaching this. But of course, in this world of no communication, uh, it's just. Ugh. Oh, it's it's just so frustrating because I've worked at my employment place for, I mean, since I was a new grad nurse, I don't back in the '90s, and it's just it's shocking to me. Isn't it weird that Wait, we what, just what, won't talk about the elephant in the room? What, what what do you have any specific thoughts about how we got here? I'm wondering from your perspective if you have any insight. I, I'm trying to figure it out. Because it was truly uncanny. This whole thing was nothing I've ever seen. I, I personally, I just feel unfortunately, uh, this this issue has been politicized so much, mm. and I don't understand how healthcare and politics became so intermeshed. Right. Bottom um, line. But I think that's our big problem. Yes, I would agree with you. Well, Kristen, I Kirsten, right? Kirsten, am I getting that right? Kirsten, Kirsten, uh -huh, I, yes. I really appreciate you coming in and talking about this, and and keep talking about it, so people can, if they hear similar symptomatology themselves, that they know that they can go to covidlonghaulers.com and sort of sign in there, figure things out. And if any of you are physicians or healthcare providers, listen carefully to what Kirsten is telling you. These are not anxiety disorders. And by yeah. the way, even though you had prominent POTS, the. <laughs> A lot of the patients I saw early on in this thing, both from the POTS from COVID and the POTS from the vaccine, were given breathing exercises that did nothing. They did no. nothing except frustrate the patients. So it, it's not something easy to manage. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even just people will respond back and say, hey, they, my doctor put me on a medrel dose pack or, a, you know, it's like, well, okay, but that's really not you too, know too sloppy I, I don't know too sloppy yeah, yeah there's a yes. there's a more systematic way to do this and by the way you don't need that much steroid a dose pack is too much and right. uh so uh, but th this my prediction is over the next three months maybe six hopefully three we'll see a lot of refinement uh because uh yo and patterson will publish what they're seeing we see a lot of refinement in the approach to this stuff and um be very interesting to see see how it plays out. But Kristen, thank you so much for for speaking up and talking about this and stepping in here. Uh, I'm going to uh, bring other people up on the phone here. Uh, 
Let me just quickly. You know, they've got a, a good lineup of people here, really quickly. This is uh, Bree. Bree, go on. Uh, Bree, go ahead. Hi, Dr. Drew. So my name is Bree Andressen. Uh, I, I know Kirsten very well, oh. and, and several <laughs> other people that unfortunately have experienced the neurological reactions to the mm -hmm. COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. I was actually one of those that was uh, in the clinical trials. Mm -hmm. And so I was one of the first uh, to experience the neurological decline. Mm -hmm. So my question is, obviously, Patterson's running his study. It's very compelling, um, also somewhat disturbing. Um, and then we also have the NIH that's working on their study. Uh, their information is also interesting. They're going the same route with long haulers in vaccine long haulers. And then there's also Mayo that's doing some studies as well. Right. But the problem is, is of course, because of the stigma, we're not allowed to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened, and as you've seen as well, is that no one's able to get adequate medical care. Right. And so it's strange to be in this kind of alternate reality mm -hmm. with everyone, right? That we're all moving in well, this and we can't know, say anything. Th there are, medicine is replete with uh, Patient populations get that get stuck in these sort of never never lands. Uh, fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and all that stuff it has all neurasthenia. It's, it's, these have always been sort of patted on the back and sort of set on their way and not really carefully managed. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's been kind of strange to also be in the situation where if we just talked about this, right, mm -hmm. and just like you were saying with the informed consent, mm -hmm. I absolutely do not believe that if we provided informed consent to the American public mm -hmm. that they would stop vaccinating. Correct. People are, people are going to choose to be vaccinated and they will be armed with the knowledge they need. Well, also, and, and in fact, people tend to get more paranoid when they feel like things are obfuscated, like there's something they're not telling me. Then they, would, then they, they freeze in place, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. So now we're giving them fuel to the fire, yeah. right? Yeah. And so now we're in this movement where we're trying to be seen, we're trying to be heard. And now we have conspiracy theorists pounding down our doors, right? Just, yeah. just give us your ammo, please. No, no, no. And in the meantime, we are knocking on legitimate media, right? For right. months we've been doing this and we haven't gotten it anywhere, unfortunately. Well, so, uh, um, hmm. And when you say legitimate media, have you tried maybe international press at all? Have you tried like the BBC? Yes, we've yeah. contacted BBC. We've yeah. contacted, um, actually, we've reached out to Israeli press as well. They're working with one of our people. Um, actually, I've been actually, uh, CNN, uh, CBS, all of them. Um, so it's been pretty interesting because we haven't gotten any snags. We have a couple of freelance journalists that have been following us for a couple of months. We had a very prestigious editor at New York Times that was following us, and then uh, she couldn't run it either. Uh, we even tried to pay for a PR company. We tried to pay them $1,000 to do a press release, and they couldn't, and they wouldn't. Uh, so unfortunately, even with the emerging case studies that actually corroborate our claims, show you know causality, and we right. have two pages worth of right. documentation, you, scientific peer-reviewed journals for this. Yeah. Has anybody stepped up with you, like Dr. Yo or Dr. Patterson, any of those guys that really know the landscape? Yeah, so Dr. Yo, he actually, uh, I'm sure you've seen his YouTube video where he came out. He was like, look, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah. And we really appreciate that. And we're trying to get him hooked up with a major network right now. Okay, um, all right. But of course, you know, it, there's so we're clearly, trying. you know, um, I, who knows if YouTube will give me a third strike just for us having this conversation. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, we have Rumble now. Yeah, they probably will. Uh, we have Rumble, Facebook, we have Twitch, so, and we have Twitter. So, so we understand. If we get cut what, off on YouTube, all YouTube people need to stay on our Twitter and find out because it could happen. So we understand what you're up against. Uh, I do feel like things are loosening up a little bit. Um, the ability to actually have this conversation on a large scale is. Uh, Clearly not going to happen in the short run, but it probably will happen soon. Uh, and I, I would I would just urge patience. Uh, I, I don't think anyone is going to get the vaccine that wouldn't have had they not heard your story. You know what I mean? And by the same I token, agree. I'm actually concerned there are people that are resisting taking the vaccine that would get it 
if they heard your story. You know what I mean? They would at least <laughs> feel as though they're being given all the information and be less paranoid. Um, so that bothers me, but but I don't feel like it's going to be a, a major issue. And I would just just you're you're on the side of uh, a story that needs to be told and will get told eventually. And um, hang out. Well, hopefully, I mean, the whole reason we're doing this. I mean, I'm on the tail end of this thing. Yeah, I've been through the worst of it. You sure. know, sure. I'm glad but you're better. It's hard to, you know, bring everybody along. I mean, there's like over 4,000 of us just in our group now, but it's just kind of sad that we know what we know. We know there are early intervention measures that can help the NIH. If, if, we, if we hadn't been through just what we just went through, I, I wouldn't be as surprised. I would be mortified by this. I'd be shocked and confused. But given what we've been through in the last year, this makes perfect sense. Uh, <laughs> the truth will prevail. And yes. uh, I, I would just urge you to be very, very cautious. Again, thank you, Bree. The, the website is COVID Long Haulers, COVIDLongHaulers.com. Uh, I'm, I'm glad she's better. Um, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce your name correctly. Murha? Murha? Um, Murja? Uh, she's not up there yet. Let me see if she enters the room. There you are. Uh, how can I help you? There you are. Hi, Dr. Drew. Hi, everybody. Um, I do have a question. Yes, ma'am. My question is, um, I know there are still a lot of people who are against taking the vaccine and or some people feel like the whole COVID was like a hack type of situation. And um, I mean, what what do you have to say to that? Like just because I think for me, I actually work in biotech, but I'm in a quality um, assurance role. Yeah. So I'm in um, cell and gene therapy. So my question to you is, um, why do you feel that people are not so in tune with taking the vaccine? And I think for me also, I think it's quite interesting that we've had so many outbreaks in the world or in the United States, but a vaccine was not the determining factor of keeping you safe. It's like now with the COVID, it's almost like the vaccine is the determining factor of, oh, should you wear a mask or should you not wear a, ma a mask? Right. Um, this is Moja. I'm done speaking. I did take the vaccine, and um, like the I forgot the lady who spoke earlier. Um, when she made the comment, uh, she felt like a little tingle. Yeah, I felt that was my first dose. But I took Madonna. I felt that was my first dose uh -huh. as soon as they gave it to me, and I was fine with the first dose. But with the second dose, I definitely had the fever like symptoms like 24 hours later. Yeah. But I was fine after that 24 good. hours. So, We're good. And, and now um, protected, which is nice. Uh, yes. I, I, um, Thank you. I've always felt that vaccine resistance was a byproduct of the terrible biological education we have done in this country. People do not understand biology and how biology works. They just are, I, I'm sorry, they have not even a, the beginning of a clue of biology and you work in biotech certainly you must see that would be me well you're actually better than most uh well it, i've been married to you for people, 30 years people that's believe <laughs> <laughs> people believe Was these, that your wife? Yeah, yeah that's my wife yeah um, well actually we've almost been together 40 years but i yeah. was a medical when i came into this relationship yeah and people want to believe that biology functions like a narrative you know, that there's a subject and a predicate, and then you can conclude. And that is not, I, biology is more like a cloud. And it's a probability, you know, where the cloud is going and how it's forming is a giant probability notion. And that's biology. It's, it's sort of a, it's just a massive probabilistic uh, soup. And, you know, to, and it's extraordinarily complex. And the math is incredibly complicated. And the I, I rarely come across someone who has even the most basic training in this area. You certainly must come across this as somebody who works in biotech, right? So it's interesting you asked that question because my background actually stemmed from smallpox vaccine. I used to work for a company where we manufactured smallpox vaccine for the government. Mm -hmm. Then I moved into antibodies for like metastatic breast cancer. And now I'm in cell engine therapy for HIV. Um, HIV. And Interesting. my job recently started testing for COVID. And it was quite sh shocking to see how much samples we were still, we were still getting till today. And um, when it was implemented, the CEO did that to try to get us to feel safe. 
in coming back into the office and knowing that we're going home safe to our families, then it became an aspect of like a revenue for the company because oh. it's still so busy. Mm. And, you know, people are still catching COVID, even if the information is not put out there as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I, I don't have a good explanation. Uh, I did you? I'm not sure I quite got your question. What was the question exactly? So my question is, you know, we've had so many outbreaks in the world. Yes. You know, like like in the world, we've had so many outbreaks. Yes. Like you know, of course, you know, we have to take like, you know, people have to get the flu vaccine and sure. all that stuff. I'm saying that why is it now with the pandemic? Like people are still against getting vaccinated, oh. and. Why is it also that the vaccine is now the determining factor yeah. of if she should wear a mask or yeah. do not wear a mask? Well, I, like I, for I, me, I'm still wearing a mask. Okay. So uh, I I can't speak to the mask issue except that people are tired. And they want to know, I think, on some level, there's sort of a psychological phenomenon where people want to have some benefit to getting the vaccine. I'm taking that risk. I'm going to get the vaccine so I'm protected, my family is protected, and we do reduce the viral replication so I help protect the world. But I want to be able to be freed up a little bit. And so there's there's mask fatigue. Now, the, the people are looking at the, you know, the best studies show you know, 15, 20% efficacy of, of mask. You know, it's not clear the masks are doing a lot. And so people are looking at that and thinking, eh, you know, it's probably not that necessary. If that Lambda thing takes off, we're going to see more masks, is my humble opinion. Um, but in terms of the increase in vaccine hesitancy, I believe we have been through a huge delusional period. Like literally, I, I, I don't know if it's because the press made people sort of paranoid to the point of delusion. The communist but, plot. But the delusionality, it's been frankly delusional. And now that delusional kind of thinking has trickled down into these vaccine folks who have been um, skeptical about the source of the, the delusion and now we're adopting their own delusional field thinking about stuff. It's like it's like the delusion has trickled down and shifted. It, it, you know, these the same the people who are delusional now are the ones who are saying, "Hey, you guys, you're you're panicking unnecessarily. You're thinking delusionally," and now they're thinking delusionally. It's it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I I hope somebody can analyze it, figure it out, write a book about it one day. I I, I all I know is that our thinking has been impaired to the point where um I, I, again i just go back to basic science training people if they had a sort of a, a a structure to fall back on where they could sort of start to use careful uh, it, it's all cognitive dissonance it's all cognitive distortions and if we could get back to a a world where people used you know sort of careful strategic thinking but very few people are trained to do that and so a lot of people have felt fallen victim to the the delusional sort of uh, sway of the moment like riding a bike and wearing a mask yeah 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 um gosh i'm not wearing masks outside anymore just i refuse well, there's there's um, Murja, Murja. that's one of the there's one of the resistant folks right there uh liam what's going on Hey, Dr. Drew. Thank you so much for having me up. This is awesome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, I've got a bit of a lighter question, but still very related. All right. Sort of a a going back to normal question. Hmm. Um, So just a bit of background. I'm a a mid-20s guy. I've got a group of friends that every year I go to a, we we Airbnb a cabin out not far from uh, just a few hours out. And uh, it's a tradition. Now this year, obviously, there's a lot more uh, COVID-related, you know, safety questions of, okay, so some of us have the shot, some of us have decided not to. Um, and uh, I was uh, presented a challenge uh, just shortly before jumping on with you, which was, um, a con- so I have chosen not to, uh, at this time, receive any of the available shots. And... Um, the compromise that was presented to me from the majority that have received the shots who are uncomfortable was, would you get a test within a certain amount of time to show that that's the way to deal with this. That's the way to deal for sure. Yeah, for sure. But then the other layer is um, now I'm a layman and I'm also willing to uh, it's, it's you're totally right about delusional thinking. And I think it's important for everybody to be self-aware 
of the possibility of our own delusions. So that's what I'd like yeah, to and, do. And now. by the way, I'm I'm what I am not saying is if you choose not to get the vaccine, you're delusional. I am not saying that. Ab yeah, yeah she, she she was saying what would what's fueling the the extreme hesitancy, and I think there is kind of a delusional background. But Absolutely. but but somebody who gets all the data, looks at it, is young, and chooses not to take it. I'm fine. Fantastic. Well, yeah. and it, it means a lot to hear you say that, actually. Now, the one other complicated part is, with my limited understanding of testing as it is right now, uh, it's my understanding that perhaps the use of the PCR test mm -hmm. with the, the broad approach the broad way it's being implemented. 30 cycles. Perhaps. The 30 cycles, you could, you're at a high risk for, not a high risk, you're at some risk for a false positive. Over. Yeah, so so I've, I've, I have a similar hesitancy to specifically that mm. test and the way it's being used in my province uh, here in BC. Mm. I just don't agree with the way it's being presented in terms of case numbers and such. That being said, I have nothing against being tested. Mm. So what I wanted to ask you, was first of all your take on the PCR situation, but then also if you can provide some clarity on the antigen tests, the antibody yeah. tests, and if well, for my situation, which would be the most appropriate? <laughs> the, the, you could always do a daily antigen test, and there's some pretty good antigen tests out there, uh, and, and that should make everybody happy. PCR is the more sensitive test; it it, it will pick up, but you know, the, the crazy thing about all this testing is even if you develop the disease, you may not turn positive for a few days. So it, it gets kind of wonky when you start using it as a screening instrument to try to determine infectivity. But I think I, I think if you if they'll let you get by without a PCR, I think some of the particularly the Abbott antigen tests are pretty darn good. And just do an antigen test every day. So they have cartridges you can get. You're going to spend a little money doing it. But they should be very happy with you doing that for them. Yeah. Okay. Abbott. You said Abbott. Yeah, Abbott. The Abbott antigen test is very good. Okay. That's great. I right, will man. look into that. Thank okay. you so much. Doctor. You bet. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm running out of steam guys. Susan, everybody okay? wants to know why we didn't have curtains for six months in our bedroom. I was telling Anthony Brown that I used to wake up at six 30 every day. Cause we didn't have curtains. Yes. Now we have curtains. Yes. So I'm, I'm trying to push it towards 8 a.m. so that I don't fall asleep at 8 p.m. Right. So explain to people why we didn't have curtains. Uh, we I remodeled my my bedroom windows. We put in higher windows Bigger and a windows. door to mm -hmm. a porch, and it took a while to build the porch. But mm -hmm. immediately I ran out to this place called Calico Corners, mm -hmm. and I met this designer there, and she came over to look at shades because I was thinking electronic shades or just shades. She says, no, you need to put these drapes in. I said, great. You design them. I know nothing about drapes. I am not a drape person. I don't know how. I don't know. I This is not my forte. I can do electronic shades. I can build a porch. I can remodel a kitchen. I can mm -hmm. put in carpet. I just, and what happened? Drapes are not my thing. So anyway, she ordered the fabric. And a month later, she calls up and goes, oh, your fabric's not in stock. And I was like, we don't have any drapes. Okay, well, we'll order some other stuff and it'll come right away. Another month goes by. We order this stuff. doesn't come. I go on vacation. She goes, it's going to be here in the end of May. End of May. End of now, May, right? You, Beginning of June. last week. So yeah. And, and, I, and I said, great. I'm going to be out of town, but you can come over and put the drapes in. So she shows up and, you know, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I mean, Drew's like, I really want to have some drapes in here. And so this was like the first thing I planned. It, it was, was in affecting March. my sleep like crazy. Yeah. And so... Um, she, Drew got so pissed. He, he I lost it. They, well, she said so she was going to come. You worried about the psychiatric stuff from the vaccine? I think that's where it was that's most it. Well, manifest. Well, she called and said, oh, the guy came to hang the drapes when we got back from our trip. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do it while we were gone. No. Mm -mm. He was here for a month, and uh, he couldn't figure out how to make it work. And then I was like, I don't know what to do. I just, I'm giving up. I said, why is this my problem? And she, You know, why am I trying to fix something that she made or designed? Drew got on the phone and just ripped her a new a-hole. I didn't, I was, I started very nice. But was she like, was, she's, she's very defensive oh all God. the time. Oh my goodness. And, um. So anyway, we were not happy. Yeah. Super so anyways, happy. we finally worst, got the, the worst drapes. customer service of all time. So Drew called the CEO. Of the I tried to reach the CEO. <laughs> I tweeted. They didn't care. No, they don't, they don't seem care. to care about their customers. So. Well, here's, a, here's their okay. defense. The defense is 
And I hate working with designers. This is why I don't ha- hire designers. I do everything myself because if I don't like it, it's my own damn fault. You know what? Fault. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... But, but wait, here's the thing. It, they were short-staffed because of COVID. So they, and the Susan, fabrics no, no, weren't no. being made in time. I'm going to leave the clubhouse room right now because I don't want everyone there to have to sit through all this. I, I apologize for our tale of woe. You guys have been great today. <laughs> we're going to finish the story first on the screen. First world problems. I'm, yeah, the no, first I'm, world problems here, but hang on. Hang but on. I have drapes Thank now. You I just guys. want to read now. I'm going to sleep in in the morning. On. Hang on. Thank you in clubhouse. I'm going to leave quietly. You guys have been great. Kirsten, <laughs> thank you for bringing up the issues. Bree, Great very questions. interesting. Keep fighting the good fight. Great questions today. Uh, Mersha, thank you so much. Uh, and I'll be back again probably next Wednesday. Is that accurate on Clubhouse? Maybe something? Yeah, we'll do this again next week. Yeah, probably next Wednesday, week. Wednesday, same and, time. Um, same time, uh, 3 o'clock Pacific so time. So come back. And we might do a Clubhouse in between here and there. We might have to do one tomorrow. I don't have a guest yes, yet. Yes, we might actually do one My tomorrow. My guest that actually. you set up canceled. I know. So. I'm standing. But I'm, I'm working on it. Okay, um, okay. See, you in, yeah. see you later, Clubhouse. Thank you. And also check us out at drjew.tv. Now you finished the story. Go ahead. You had all these curtains. So anyways, finally, I got a hold of the guy that hangs the drapes and we're playing good cop, bad cop. And he got them installed. And Drew is very happy now. So they need tie backs, though, because she made them so full. When you open the curtains, you can't see outside the windows. And it's it's a million dollar view. It's like, oh, great. So now we're waiting for tie backs, which will probably cost me another two thousand dollars and take another six weeks. But oh my God. I don't know. She sent me this really fancy like ribbon stuff. And I was like, I, the other guy said, you just have fabric left over. You can make some little tie backs with. And I don't know why she didn't make tie backs. It's so weird, but. Right. So you've had a chance to vent now. But anyways, you feel better? Anthony, oh. I love you. Anthony Brown. Yeah. Okay. Just don't call me until after eight o'clock. Oh, he called you in the morning. Well, he gives me a, he's, he wakes me up and says hello to me every day and I love him, but I'm not waking up at six 30 anymore. So uh, I'm going to try to wake up like, or at least just be comfortable in my bed, just kind of with my eyes half open until eight. Understood. And that's Pacific time. So if anybody's calling from the East coast, wait until uh, 11. All right. Uh, guys, it has been great. Thank you all for showing up today. We appreciate it. Caleb, thank you for, uh, Thank you for uh, producing this from a distance there. Hope things are well in Alabama and you're avoiding some of the tropical storms. Uh, Kristen, uh, Wiss Chris is willing to make your tie backs for you, Susan. So I know. I know they're working on it. She said by Thursday. She said Tuesday. She goes, oh, I mean Thursday. I was like, yeah. whatever. I'm, I'm not even going to go down that road. I'm so happy they're just up and they work and you're happy with that. I can't see out the window anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> Anthony feels now ashamed by your uh, no, I'm, public admonition. No, I just want to so. let him know that I'm. if I get a text, I, I have to change my notifications on my phone because I'm on a different time zone now. I see. Okay. I love Anthony. Yes, we all love Anthony. And uh, Anthony, we need to have a phone conversation. I keep trying to find time for that. I, I Trust me, I've not forgotten you. Uh, all right, everybody. We will be in here tomorrow around the same time. Uh, whether or not we'll use a little um, clubhouse or not or come up with a good guest, we'll hopefully... Think about that. Uh, Naomi, I know. <laughs> Naomi Wolf is back in my life, Susan. Why don't we get her back? I can call her. She's doing. Let's call her. Yeah. Uh, I've been I've been communicating with her a little. I bit. texted Alex Berenson. I texted Eliza Blue, and I'm gonna text. But I texted uh, Tyrus. Nobody loves me anymore because we went away and had too much uh, fun. I think. Well, or they're they're listening to my bullshit stories about drapes. <laughs> uh, Euro Pop Mart uh, from Sweden. Hi there. We're interesting. We. That's what I love about the internet, the international sort of input here. I do need with Chris to live near me and make me drapes. Uh, Chris, there's a call to action, my dear. Damn it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I will see you tomorrow. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. This is just a reminder that the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care or medical evaluation. This is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. I'm a licensed physician with over 35 years of experience, but this is not a replacement for your personal physician, nor is it medical care. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 anytime, 24-7, for free support and guidance. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.